Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Today, a crossover edition with Jared Ellis of Locked On Carolina Hurricanes. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco. Chris Golick is at TD Chris G on Twitter. I am at Tony Dasco, and you are listening to at Locked On VGK. And now, our crossover edition with Jared Ellis of the Locked On Carolina Hurricanes. Folks, today I am joined by Chris and Tony from Locked On Vegas Golden Knights because we recently acquired one Max Pacioretty from Vegas for virtually nothing. Guys, what were your thoughts on that trade? Chris, you can go first because you know I, you know how <laughs> steamed I get. Oh, I understand. I understand. So this trade had to happen. As far as Vegas is concerned, there was three different candidates that were going to be traded to open up room for Riley Smith. Uh, the first one, obviously Max Pacioretty. And then the other two were William Carlson and Alec Martinez. Uh, starting with William Carlson, I think we would have have to had given away more as far as prospects and draft picks to get someone to take on his contracts. Uh, the next candidate being Alec, Alec Martinez. Alec Martinez is the pillar of our defense. He is a warrior leads the league and shot blocks are always, you know, top three or top four in that category would have probably had a higher return. Maybe would, would have had a prospect or a draft pick or something like that. Enter Max patch based on his contracts um, and what Carolina was looking for, obviously uh, some more scoring and that scoring punches seemed to make sense. Uh, we had to also throw Dylan Coglin into the deal. And shout out to Dylan Coglin, Tony, here in Vegas. Uh, Dylan Coglin still participated in the Battle for Vegas uh, celebrity softball game last night, raised over $200,000 for charity. So uh, just uh, showing some love for Coglin for hanging out. But uh, back to Dylan Coglin on the hockey side now. A defenseman with upside should help the power play if he's able to crack the top six. I'm not sure what the situation is there. So it was a trade that had to happen as far as VGK is concerned. And Carolina and the rest of the league, for that matter, had uh, the leverage on the Golden Knights knowing the trade had to be made. And this was uh, the best bad offer that was on the table, I guess. Yeah, it was a really bad situation, I felt, for VGK because, again, they're consistently battling the salary cap and the constraints and all of that. And for VGK, I just felt that uh, this was a, a trade, again, where they got nothing in return. And Chris and I have been talking about this and uh, the fact that uh, VGK is not improving themselves. They're do- not doing anything to improve themselves, Jared. And, you know, for us here in Vegas, uh, the fan reaction, it's crazy because we went to this softball game last night. Uh, that pitted the Vegas Golden Knights against the Raiders. And the the biggest rounds of applause on the night were for the alums, you know, for <laughs> Ryan Reeves, right, you know, out, out there, uh, for Nate Schmidt. Uh, it, it was It's crazy because this fan base is living in the past, so to speak, from uh, the first season especially. 
And, and right now they have identity issues. There's so many problems. The one good thing we could say about Pacioretty, when he was healthy this season, he was explosive. You're going to get an explosive score. And he was the only player that could really vibe with Jack Eichel. He was the only player that could be in sync with Eichel, who by far was the best skater on the ice. So you're getting a proven commodity, a 30-goal scorer each and every season, Jared. And I think it's a great deal. And I feel as though VGK was absolutely fleeced in this trade. Yeah, that was something you know, that I looked at, you know, once we saw the trade come through of that the Hurricanes, yeah, they fleeced the Golden Knights. And Chris was right. Yeah, you know, they the Golden Knights did not have any leverage in whatever trade they're going to make, whether it be this one or any other one, because everyone knew, all right, these guys are up against the cap every single season and they're trying to free up room. So we have all the leverage. So they're just trying to clear out cap space. And yeah, I, I think Pacioretty, uh, he, he was a good fit here. The Hurricanes needed uh, offensive punch. We saw that in the playoffs, how the offense just kind of stagnated out and just wasn't there. So they need to add some scoring, especially when they haven't re-signed Nina Niederreiter as of 1023 on July 19th. Uh, so hopefully we'll still get that done. But yeah, the Hurricanes, they needed some offense and looks like should he be healthy, they're going to have that. I remember whenever he came to Vegas years ago uh, from, I believe it was Montreal, correct? Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, Vegas starting to have identity crisis fans sort of living in the past you know this is new for vegas you know the hurricanes we've dealt with bad years a lot so how is it for you guys going through your first kind of struggles as golden knights fans obviously i'm sure you guys were fans of other teams before vegas but now vegas is your team how is it now you know, dealing with the these issues with the Golden Knights after such a hot start. All right, I'll start this one off. Um, I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, I moved out to Vegas in 2008. Uh, I went to a bunch of Blackhawk games, mainly from about the year 2000 to about 2008, which is just after Kane and Taves joined the organization. So I know what it's like to cheer for a hockey team in a building that is one third full went through some terrible teams in there, but you know, I'm a hockey guy. I ref hockey out here. My kid plays hockey. My, my daughter can skate as well. So I mean, we're, we're a hockey family, so I'm going to be there no matter what, whether, you know, things are not looking good or mm -hmm. things are going well, it doesn't make a difference to me as a fan. Um, as far as the vibe out here, you, you take one walk uh, down any of the notorious Facebook groups out here and, um, it's not necessarily the best measuring stick for what the feelings are, but mm -hmm. there's concern. Uh, everyone obviously wants to drag McCrimmon, our general manager right now for, for fair reasons. Um, you know, to Tony's point, uh, we did not improve our team year over year on paper as of right now. That's a fair statement to make, but it's also not an apples to apples statements. I, I try to be a little more positive, but Tony will bring us right down in a second. I promise. 
Um, you know, yeah, no, but we, we do. We like the player. I like the players. I just cannot stand the front office. Front office drives us crazy. We don't understand the moves. They've lied to the general public, to the season ticket holders, to the media. Uh, there's a new coach here in Bruce Cassidy, and there's going to be a new system. I, I can't believe how happy. Like, it was this transformation of Max Pacioretty at that presser where he just seemed content. He seemed happy. I don't think I've seen that look here in Las Vegas. I don't, out of Max Pacioretty. He was a good leader, but he kind of took some digs, you know. I'll be playing for the best coach in the NHL, as if to say, I didn't have good coaching in Las Vegas. He's like, they have the goaltenders that we need to win a Stanley Cup. He never said things like that here in Vegas. So (laughs) I think there's a little bit of bitterness uh, by Pacioretty. And he just seems more content there in Carolina. Yeah, is uh, go ahead. No, I say that, that that's all fair. I mean, it's certainly you know, Pacioretty is a professional. He's been through this before, and Carolina is a great place. I mean, Brindamore just such a motivational coach. It seems like, and I, I'm fine with all the statements. I didn't necessarily think he was taking shots. Um, I do see the comments about being content though, and I got to think there is a level of peace and calmness, if you will, once it happens, because Patch already most likely felt he was probably at the least bit involved in trade talks, whether it was going to lead to him actually leaving or not. Uh, he didn't know, obviously, up until, you know, about a week or so ago. But yeah, he certainly looks content and ready to take the next step. And, you know, the comment I made on our show uh, yesterday is I certainly hope uh, when he comes back to town, I think it's uh, in March, I want to say, I certainly hope he sticks it to us. Yeah, I would definitely say, yeah, with that, yeah, some of it, yeah, you can chalk it up to the first uh, press conference for a new team. You got to say this kind of stuff because listening with in on the Patch Ready call, the Brent Burns call, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, it's the typical new guy stuff. You got to say that you're happy to be in a new city. You like the system. You got to say all that stuff, but this isn't the Hurricanes organization from six to 10 years ago. This isn't that. Do you have top tier coaching? You have top tier uh, front office. You have a really good team around you. And I could see from Pacioretty's point of view of the Golden Knights were, did not have a great year last year. You know, that was their first real struggle of, of a year that they've had. And, you know, you know you're, now you're going to a team that's going to contend for a Stanley Cup. You know, of course you're going to be happy about that. Of course. You know, you're not going to go from a bubble team to, you know, a team that's in the top 10 odds to win the Stanley Cup, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, Pacioretty, he's going to give you guys honesty as far as the pressers go. He's not going to give you like the bulletin board material and stuff like that. But um, Tony pointed out about, I don't know, Tony, what was that, about February or so when Pacioretty had a pretty honest kind of um, just uh, you got a real good taste of his character talking about. And one of the quotes was it was it was towards the team side. But it was also we have to be better as individuals. And it was a concerning quote at the time because it didn't necessarily feel like it was a team first. But then when you went a few layers deeper into it, you certainly 
were able to understand what he was trying to say and holding himself accountable. And, you know, you definitely got the vibe. There were some locker room and team meetings and some things said amongst the team trying to uh, rally the troops down the stretch there. Um, but certainly enjoyed having Patch already here. And I think to everything that Tony said, yes, a proven commodity. Um, I- I'm curious, wh- where do you think he's going to slot in as far as his line mates go? The, your top line, your second line, like where's uh, we know he's going to be on the power play, obviously, but where do you see him slotting in um, in that unit? I see him slotting in on the second line. I think your first line is going to stick to Sebastian Ajo, uh, Andre Sveshkov, Tebo Teravine, and Seth Jarvis slotting in there on that top line as well. I think those are going to be the four guys that take the top line minutes because uh, that was the case last year. I mean, occasionally you got other guys slotting up there. And Patrick, he very well could find himself on the top line now and again. But I think for the majority of the year, he's going to be second line guy. I, I kind of see him. What was that? Who else is who, who's on the second line now? Oh, second line. Yeah. So with the second line, uh, we did have a lot of turnover on that one. Vincent Trocek was second line. You know, Niederreiter was second line. And then you kind of had, Tavo Teravainen, Andre Svechnikov on there as well, sometimes Martin Natchez. But out of all those guys, Andre Svechnikov is the only one still here at the moment. So it's going to be one of those things. We got to wait and see what happens contract-wise to see just who his line mates are going to be. A lot of speculation that Jesper Kotkiniemi, he's going to kind of slot into Vincent Trocek's old spot, uh, that second-line center. We just inked him to a eight-year extension in the middle of last season, so they obviously see a lot in him. That could very well be the case, but again, got to get through the rest of the offseason and training camp and preseason and all that stuff before we can really figure out what this group is going to look like. But he's definitely going to be a second-line guy. I can confidently say that. Hey, Aho and Shmechnikov, are those two always on the same line? Is that kind of how that works there? Most of the time, uh, Sebastian is constant top line guy, uh, and it'll switch between Sveshnikov and Teravainen, uh, between those guys being on the top line with him. There are times where you just have all three of those guys on the top line, especially when things aren't looking so good because those guys are so good together. You want to have those guys together, but they do try to spread the love a little bit. And with Rod Brandmore, he's never been one to get locked down into lines of this is going to be the only guys you play with. They're very fluid and they change throughout the game. So while on paper, when the game starts, it may be Sveshnikov, Ajo, and Jarvis come two-thirds of the way through the third period. It could be Sveshnikov, Ajo, Teravine, it could be Sveshnikov, Aho, whoever, you know, it, it's very much fluid with Brendan Moore. I wanted to ask you, uh, Jared, about how Brent Burns will fit in as well. And it's kind of funny because there was this rivalry of sorts between Pacioretty and Brent Burns. It seems as though from everything we've read in the media reports, they have cleared the air. Uh, but how does Brent Burns fit in? Um, I, I like the fact that uh, Pacioretty said that, you know, there was one thing that Burns had mentioned to him, cracked a joke, uh, that he can now win the Lady Bing because he won't have to try and cross-check me in the face again. 
which I thought was kind of funny. But uh, those two have cleared the air. Uh, talk about how he will contribute uh, to this Hurricane team. And do, does the addition of Pacioretty and Burns and even Coughlin, does this make the Hurricanes a better team? So with Burns, it was a move I was initially kind of hesitant on because I you know, saw the age. He's 37 years old. Uh, that was the first thing I saw. Uh, but in talking with JD from Locked On Sharks, I do feel better about it. He's obviously going to slot in right alongside Jacob Slavin on that top pairing. And, you know, he's going to be with arguably the best defensive defenseman in the league. So he's not going to have to worry about the stuff he was having to do in San Jose of do like everything defense. everywhere. Cause he, <laughs> you know, he was a 52, 54-point guy last year on a really bad Sharks team. That was so, a bad Sharks team. So too. this that year, was bad. Yeah, and he did that on that team. So imagine you know, what he can do here on a team that's really, really good, and he can just kind of take a step back, do his thing, and, you know, create shots, you know, score goals. You know, he's obviously going to be – uh, upgrade over Tony D'Angelo, in my opinion. I think he's a better all-around defenseman and a guy that doesn't throw his stick at Brad Marchand. So that's that's good there. Uh, but I think that one thing that I'm still not sold on the move is that this is not a long-term move. He is 37. You know, you're going to get two, three years, maybe, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. He does take very good care of himself. He's already here in Raleigh working out for the team. So that's good. But ever since Dougie Hamilton left in free agency, it's been a bit of a revolving door. You know, last year you started the year off with Ethan Bear uh, up with Tony, up with Jacob Slavin. That didn't work out. Then you moved Tony up there. Now he's gone. And now you're slotting in Brent Burns. So they're still going to have to figure out a long-term solution there alongside Jacob Slavin. But it is a move that the more I've sat on it, I do think it can help the team. Again, he can just kind of sit back, do his thing. And I'm excited to see how it goes. It's going to be very, very weird, though, seeing him in a Hurricanes jersey. I will say mm-hmm. that. What about so, Coglin? Where's Coglin? Coglin is... Uh, when I'm not a hundred percent sure on where he's going to slot in at because there are still so many roster moves that have to be made. I, I think that's going to be one of those that we're going to need a little bit of time, you know, to kind of see how the rest of this stuff shapes out along the off season. So you're looking at Max patch already a cap hit of 7 million Brent Burns, a cap hit around 5 million, but his contract is 8 million. My question is, what does this do to the salary cap now as far as Carolina and how will it either negatively or positively help the team as the season progresses as far as being able to make additional moves? Are you going to be in a spot now like where Vegas was in where there's times we can only dress 17 skaters because we didn't have the cap space, including some real big games down the stretch in both seasons? Um where, where's the Hurricanes with the cap right now? Uh, I am fixing to pull that up right now and see just where they are at. Okay, but I'll follow you. I will say that, you know, with the Hurricanes, 
um, with the salary cap last year and honestly the year before. Uh, this is new for the Hurricanes of uh, being a team that's pressed up against the salary cap. Old management was very cheap and did not like to spend money since uh, Dundon has took sole ownership from Carmanos and Don Waddell. They're a team they're not afraid to go out and spend money on guys. So, you know, that is new for us. But one thing I have seen is that they are very good at the getting things figured out of being able to dress the right amount of skaters and do the cap gymnastics. And, you know, you look at the Max Domi trade uh, from the deadline, you know, they didn't even give anyone up in the trade. They just had took on a little bit of the salary. They threw Florida in there to take on some salary and Columbus retained salary. So as far as moves of being able to get other teams you know, to retain salary or whatever they need them to do. I'm confident that they'll be able to do that because they've shown that they already can. I think the one thing that is going to be interesting to see how things play out is Jake Gardner coming back in this year because he missed all of last season due to having to have multiple surgeries because he was just so beat up. Uh, but he's going to be coming back in this year. So is he going to even be suiting up for the Hurricanes? Are they going to buy him out? Are they going to trade him? What's going to happen there? He's been cleared to play. He's obviously got to get back into game shape, of course. But I'm that's going to be an interesting one there. Uh, I've, you know, looking at the Pacioretty deal, the Burns deal, and all these other ones that they've done, they did their homework of what they needed to do salary wise. So I'm not necessarily hundred percent worried there. It is really Jake Gardner. That's a big question mark there. And then of course, Martin H is getting him back in. Uh, Ethan Baird just filed for arbitration. You know, neither are you bringing him back. You know, all these other things that like, all right, you know, you're not going to have the room that you used to have years ago, but it's one of those things. It's going to be interesting to see uh, just what happens here. As of right now, they're projected to have a little over four million in cap space, so they got a little bit of room. Not a lot, but they got some room. Yeah, I saw I saw the four million, and then um, it was four four million eighty thousand, and Gardner is four million fifty thousand, and then obviously you said Baronica. So I'm curious. Uh, how that'll play out. And, and there's other things too that can work in like two-way contracts and things like that. I'm pretty sure Cogs has a two-way contract as well. So obviously that money comes and goes. And like you said, cap gymnastics or in Vegas, we call it cap roulettes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. And uh, hey, you know what, uh, Jared, I have a question. What is the locker room like there in Carolina? Because here we heard conflicting reports this past season. We asked Pete DeVore, no issues in the locker room. But we go back, right, Chris, to that uh, presser that we heard from Max Pacioretty. And he was like, oh, yeah, we argue like every day. We fight like brothers. And then we kind of clear the air and everything's fine. When Pacioretty got here to Vegas, I heard so many reports from friends inside the locker room that Pacioretty, he's pretty much a no-nonsense sort of a guy. And he didn't like all the fooling around by, you know, uh, at that time, Marc-Andre Fleury. And Ryan Reeves, and he didn't like all the pranks and games and Marshall. So 
he's pretty much he's a very serious guy. So I just want to know what is the locker room situation like there in Carolina from everything you've heard. Yeah, so with the Hurricanes, we don't hear a whole lot come out from the locker room. But what we do hear is that they hold each other accountable. You know, whenever someone messes up, you know, they're going to say it. Uh, When the uh, end of season stuff came out, I forget who it was. It may have been Sebastian. It could have been someone else. They said that they probably should have done more of that, of holding guys accountable, especially during the playoffs. Uh, But that's a big thing. They hold each other accountable. And I know, you know, a lot of the leadership group now, uh, Jordan Stahl, Captain, Martinuk, Slavin, and Ajo, they're not necessarily guys to get in your face and yell and scream and stuff like that. That was more of, Justin Williams, uh, back when he was still in the league, <laughs> he he was one to raise his voice. Uh, obviously, not be ugly or anything like that about it, but yeah, he he would raise his voice, you know, to get guys' attention. And now, you know, I'm sure you know things have changed a little bit as these guys have settled into their roles since Williams has retired. But they're they're a team that holds themselves accountable. They're a team that you mentioned. Flurry is a no-nonsense kind of guy. Uh, how this will go, because we've obviously all seen the videos of Jordan Martinuk whenever they're in the hallway ready to take the eyes of him just yelling and screaming. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. And the Hurricanes are a team that do like to have fun and do like to mess around. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, but he is an accountability guy. You know, mm-hmm. Pacioretty is one of those guys that will fit in in that regard, too. Chris, I know you have something on your mind. Oh, no, no, I'm certainly uh, agreeing <laughs> with that. And, and the question I was going to ask, um, something that I've we learned, obviously, here in Vegas, first and foremost, um, was how these end-of-year locker clean-out day meetings with the general manager can impact things. You look at what happened, not just in Vegas with DeBoer, but other coaches around the league. Bruce Cassidy, Boston, now in Vegas, obviously, Uh, Trotz, just to name a few real quick names here. What was the vibe around locker cleanout day after uh, the elimination uh, in in the second round? Um, Was it, I know it's never going to be positive, but what was the vibe amongst the players then? What was the vibe for the coach? And how do you think that impacts the offseason? Disappointment. That was the big thing. Everyone was very, very disappointed uh, because this was a team that did have cup aspirations. And that was the biggest thing there. Obviously, like you said, it's never going to be positive. But that was kind of the overwhelming sentiment in those uh, end-of-season interviews, disappointment. Everyone was very disappointed with how things ended. And, and same and here, thing in, in Vegas. Yeah, same thing, Chris. Yeah, right? go ahead. Yeah, no, me and Tony are on the same page. Here's definitely yeah. same thing in Vegas, but that's where the identity came out. <laughs> that's where the lack of creativity came out. And a bad system by DeBoer came out. Everything was glaring, and that was the end of the road for Peter DeBoer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That definitely was. Uh, but to be where I'm going with this now is Patch Ready, though he was the lone person that was almost behind and supportive about 
DeBoer and DeBoer made him a better player. He didn't mention the system and such, but I felt Pacioretty gave the best and quite frankly, one of the only votes of confidence for DeBoer. So I almost wonder if that played a part into, uh, into him being traded as well. You know, he might not have been happy. Maybe there was a quiet conversation about, okay, DeBoer's gone, get me out. I, I, I don't necessarily think that's how it went down, but you know, nothing, um, nothing surprises us in Vegas anymore. Yeah. I would definitely say with our end of season stuff, again, everyone was very disappointed and everyone then started to point to the power play of how that was non-existent in the playoffs how they didn't win a single road game in the playoffs and the offense stagnating and just all that stuff it really a lot of guys harped on that of that being an issue for the team and we see they're trying to address that stuff now uh i have along with a lot of other folks that cover the hurricanes think that they need to bring in a dedicated special teams coach to really get this power play where it needs to be because it it's up and down there will be times where you know it looks great there are times where it looks like crap you know penalty kill has thankfully been a consistent thing of is always good it's the power play that is not there and I said going into last season that I thought the Hurricanes needed to make a move offense-wise. They didn't. And, you know, on one hand, I'm glad that they gave their guys the keys and like, hey, you know, go take the step, do what you need to do to take the next step in your career. But they did to an extent, but they still just weren't there. And I do think that they needed to add an extra piece and, Maybe Max Pacioretty, Brent Burns, and all these other smaller guys, they can help contribute into that. But it's just something that time will tell right now. Why? What do you mainly attribute not winning um, a road game in the playoffs to? Oh, man. Uh, I think that could have, at first, you know, Boston is a team that has had our number in the playoffs. Uh, but at a certain point, I think it just becomes a, a mental game. I, I think they kind of got in their own head and they were trying to do too much. They weren't just going out and playing hockey. You know, they, one thing I've complained about with the hurricanes uh, many times is that, you know, they'll take 50 shots a game, but they're just shooting at the net. They're not shooting to score. And I think that could, we know about that, Tony. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like that could have been, Part of the issue there, they're just shooting at the net and they're not playing to win and playing to advance in the series and in the playoffs. And obviously I don't think they were tanking or anything like that, but I think they kind of got in their own head and were trying to do too much. And then at a certain point it becomes a thing like, Oh yeah, they, they haven't won on the road yet. Yeah. It becomes a thing. And then you're thinking about it. I think Pacioretty can help you to clear up a lot of those issues too. And if he's healthy, though, he is. He's a legitimate 30-goal scorer. We saw last season he went through a spam when he came back the first time, a couple of injuries. Uh, when he came back the first time, though, he was very explosive. And then I just really liked the chemistry. He was the only player that we felt could skate with Jack Eichel. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they're going to fix all those issues here in Las Vegas. That's not your problem. But yeah. <laughs> but but we're, but we're going to get you'll get an opportunity to see someone that's just very consistent, very workmanlike and a, a player that shows up each and every day. I'm excited for it. I am very much excited for it. the I think the Hurricanes, they're they're really trying to address their issues. They still got work to do, but I'm excited to see where it goes. That's for sure. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You have probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Pops treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, that flavor that you love, in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time, so go to Built.com and now to make sure that you don't miss out. They are going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently. It provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And the best part about Built Pops is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them absolutely guilt-free because they actually are very good for you. They are the perfect treat. Perfect when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or you need a quick, healthy snack. They are an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut. We've got rich, sweet, brownie, creamy marshmallow. So stop fantasizing now. Get to Built.com to order your box of Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Puffs right now. Go to Built.com and you can use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We thank you all for joining us. Thanks again to Jared Ellis of Locked On Carolina Hurricanes. We appreciate you tuning in. And thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Our podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast. For myself, Tony Cardasco, and my man, Chris Golick, we'll see you again tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights.